First reading, God has Moses doing something curious. He's holding a staff in his hand and uh, is uh, asked to hold his arms out on, on a hill as the leader so that the Israelites fighting will see him, uh, you know, praying for them, so to speak. But, of course, Moses is already an old man. They're, they're now fighting uh, as they approach the, the promised land with Amalek. And uh, Amalek comes to represent in the Jewish scriptures any enemy that they fight. Therefore, it, the reading says right after what, where it ends here uh, on Sunday, it says, and, and Israel continued to, to fight Amalek down through the ages. So in other words, this is a, this is a, a, uh, a prophetic or a, um, it's a story that, that sets a pattern for the entire Old Testament and the New Testament. We too are kind of engaged in battle with Amalek or the world or the you know our desire for God and yet the tendency to fight back and forth. So Moses has his hands out, but he gets tired, and he has Aaron and her, H-U-R, not H-E-R. He has Aaron and her on on either side to hold up his hands, and he has to sit on a stone because he's he's tired and probably stood this way for a long time. When uh, some of us went to um, Eastern Europe, many many moons ago uh, now, the, that particular pilgrimage, a lot of things were late uh, for one reason or another. And uh, when we were in Krakow, this was the home to John Paul II's uh, when he was a bishop. So he, he's very prominent in that city, very beautiful city, filled with all kinds of religious uh, and various habits and things walking around, at least there used to be. And uh, but in, in Krakow, not in the old city, but in the, in the outer-lying area, is where St. Faustina of the Divine Mercy uh, devotion had her convent. And so uh, pilgrims always go there. It's a very modern, uh, beautiful church on top. And then the crypt chapel where the relics and things are is down below, which is where we celebrated Mass. And so but we got there uh, late, and we were supposed to have a time to pray with them at the three o'clock hour. And to, I thought it was a very great honor to pray with the nuns, the very convent where she spent her entire life and wrote her diary from which Divine Mercy Sunday arose at three o'clock with the nuns. But it turned out that's when lunch was served. So I had, I had resources. I had peanut butter and a, piece, and a sandwich with me. I came prepared. But anyway, I and a couple of us skipped lunch we went over there, the rest were very tired from a long bus ride. So um, St. Faustina had a, had a habit of holding her hands out like this with a rosary for 10 minutes while she prayed the chaplet. Try it sometime. I watched the, a number of the nuns actually did this up in the front row, much to my surprise, they still do this. And uh, I watched one after the other would put their hands down, then they'd put them back up again. And uh, I, she, uh, Sister Dave Faustina must have had good shoulder muscles. That's all I can say because I sure can't do it. Uh, but um, anyway, this is, this is their penance to pray like that for ten minutes as long as they can. But our Lord, in in telling that story, our Lord uh, in the Old Testament, I think um, one of the messages is that uh, Moses was interceding or praying for the people, but they needed help. 
Moses needed help. He was being supported by others. And we, too, support others with our prayers and, in turn, are supported by them. Uh, so we, we, of course, have the, the prayer chain, for example. Those who are praying for others uh, are supporting others, and sometimes we're the ones being uh, prayed for, and we are being supported. And so both of these are important. We don't even realize how much and of what great importance prayer really is in our lives. We don't know how much graces we're receiving or giving. And sometimes support takes other forms besides prayer, being there for people. Many people will come in the office um, seeking help, either from me or the staff or whatever. We have a resource book we put together that they can look at, that, and you can look at, uh, all kinds of, of different ways to get help in an in a anonymous way, in a big binder about this big, filled with all kinds of, of different pamphlets and things. Because oftentimes, with many difficulties in life, whether it's addiction or marriage or family or, or whatever, mental health, physical health, we can't do it alone. And really, the, the world's designed in a way so that we will have to get help in order to get... Uh, we, we, we need each other. We are a family. A person who doesn't need anybody, who doesn't need God for help, won't come to him. But we who know our need such as the fact that we're mortal, which is all of us, have a need for God. We have a need for something besides this world because this world doesn't satisfy us in the end. Uh, some people find out the hard way, but in the end, stuff doesn't matter, you know. I, I spent most of my life accumulating refrigerator magnets. The fridge is full. What else do I have to live for now? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you saw my fridge, you, you would appreciate this. <coughs> but... Um, that had nothing to do with my homily. <coughs> I need more coffee, I think. <coughs> so we come to the New Testament. We always ask ourselves, what is the connection between the first and third reading? The second reading is very interesting today. But it's a completely different subject. And, uh, but these two readings go together quite well. Here we have this. Luke, only Luke has this. Luke has a couple of uh, stories that are unique to him such as Lazarus and Dives from a few weeks ago. And this one, too, is only Luke. He's putting forth his orderly account, uh, more so he apparently than the others, in a particular order. There's my watch. We'll see if it helps me keep it short. Probably not. Um, uh, and this widow has no rights. In that culture, a woman who was not married or had lost her husband, or even worse, her children, had no resources. There were, they were expected, her family was expected to support her. So they were often reduced to begging. And in fact, the, the law stipulated that widows were to be taken care of. So anyway, she had no rights uh, of divorce. Only the man had this. This is, this is what Jesus found he gave women rights. He didn't take them away. He, he, he made them equal, that neither of you should be, you know, uh, we sh neither of you has, has property rights over the other, this kind of thing. But, but, in, but in the Jewish culture, she's coming before a judge, and she has no advocate. She's a widow. Her husband isn't there to defend her, and she doesn't have any rights under the law. So she's coming in. We don't know what the dispute is, perhaps property. Let's say it's a property dispute. She can't win against an unjust judge. 
God makes him an archetype, just like Amalek is an archetype of every evil and every fight that we have in the world. We're all engaged in war against Amalek, every one of us here. Amalek still exists. I get up in the morning and Amalek's waiting to greet me. Ah, it's a new day. Amalek, go away. Um, In the same way, we find ourselves in a uh, battle or situations like this judge. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about other people. Who does he care about? Himself. What's he probably waiting for? A bribe or a powerful person that's going to help him out. He's in it for himself. So this widow is really up a creek because apparently this judge doesn't give a hoot about her and the fact that she is disempowered. So what? There's so many people in this world like this in power. It, throughout the ages, the, you know, people get in power and it becomes, so what about you? I've got what I want, this kind of thing. So she, of course, she, she badgers him and badgers him and badgers him in the, in the gospel. And eventually we get to this wonderful line. I picture this elderly widow bent over with a cane. And, and he says, uh, he says, well, I'm sure I'm sick of this widow bothering me. I'm afraid if, she, if, if this keeps up pretty soon, she's going to come and beat me up. And she picture, I'm going to beat you up if you don't do this. <laughs> Sorry if I'm offending anybody here. I can't picture a 90-year-old lady beating up a judge. But anyway, I think that's Jesus' sense of humor because he's, he's deliberately making this as, uh, not ridiculous, but as extreme as possible. And to bring it to practical terms, our Lord is making it clear that once again, we have to persevere in prayer. And our Lord is going to deliberately place us in situations where it is just not easy. It may look as though God either isn't listening, doesn't want to help us, doesn't love us, or in fact is actively working against us. Many people will tell me, and I myself have been uh, angry with God over some thing that perhaps either he permitted or it looks like he actively uh, picked out for us, which is uh, probably not correct, but he permits uh, things to happen. He, or more to the point, God could intervene and do something, and he doesn't. And we think to ourselves, I've had a friendship with you all these years, like perhaps this widow knew this judge. I knew you, and yet... Uh, you said you were my friend, and yet you've given me the opposite of what I asked for. You haven't given me what I want. You haven't answered me. You act as though you're not even there, or that you're looking the other way, or that I'm not important. I thought we were friends. This kind of thing, it, you know, if you have a relationship with someone who's real, I think it would be normal for all the emotions to come into play, whether it's a friend or a relative or a marriage or even uh, a, an employer, our, our country, you know, the world, the Pope, whatever, we're going to have all the emotions will come into play as we deal on various levels to various extents. And this is true for the Lord as well. Uh, he's a real person. He treats us like real people. We should be real friends with the Lord. And at times, he's going to do things that don't make us very happy. And the, almost every prominent individual in the, in the Bible uh, has, especially the Old Testament, have um, 
times when they tell the Lord exactly what they think. And our Lord himself says, Father, take this cup away from me. You can do anything. Then he says, but may thy will be done at the end. So we hopefully end our prayer by being respectful to God while we explain that we're not too thrilled with his plan, which is my daily prayer practically. But you end up saying, but thy will be done. You know what's best. It may take a while, but you know what's best. What does he put us through this for? To build our faith, to give us perseverance, because most of our growth occurs in adversity. Think about it. We don't grow much when everything goes our way. Isn't it great when a prayer gets answered right away? Well, we had a great one last night. I love, I I tell the deacons, be open to something new because God will often add something at the last minute that really works well in a sermon. Um, The the lights are, some are on timers around here and some are uh, photocell. We got out to the porch last night and it was kind of, it was pitch dark. And somebody said, where's the light here, uh, Father? Let's get this fixed. And I said, let there be light. And it came right on. <laughs> she says, man, you boy, do you have a good conne- con- uh, connection? I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm really plugged in. <laughs> anyway, it was, <laughs> it was a pure coincidence. But it was kind of like sometimes, you know, you just pray and, and, and something happens. And other times... It's like decades, uh, you know. Uh, I, I've often mentioned my voice many times, but you haven't heard the half of what some of the things that occurred over 30 years. I still get laryngitis if I don't keep my vocal exercises up because I've had two problems. One was exhaustion of the vocal cords due to my life of... In, in, <laughs> I seem to be a stressed individual by nature, but... but um, carrying my tension in the throat. But, but I had got all these infections, like up to six times a year. Each one of them needed antibiotic. It was awful. And I went into this ENT, I won't say who or what it was, uh, a number of years ago now. And this physician, I went in there, he looked at my chart, and you know what he said to me? Get out of my office, you hypochondriac, and go see a psychiatrist and quit, quit wasting our time. Ever had any doctor say that to you? I did. You know what I did? I went home and cried. And I went up and saw another doctor because I wanted to keep my vocation in the active ministry and not get stuck, no offense to anybody that's worked in the chancery, to get stuck in the chancery office. You know, I wanted to be, to do what I'm doing. And I persevered. I said, God, why are you turning a deaf ear to my, well, he didn't turn a deaf ear. He couldn't hear me. I couldn't talk. Uh, you know. And then finally, of course, the answer was dairy products. I was I was allergic to dairy. I was reacting to these dairy products. That's all it was. And I said, "Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus." And what took you so long? You know. <laughs> and um, and you know, there really isn't an answer except that um, perseverance is sometimes glorifies God. You know, if you have a vision, keep going. As I tell people, don't give up because God may not be, just because he's saying no right now doesn't mean he doesn't want you to do it, perhaps. Or uh, the fact that you're struggling with a sin for many, many years doesn't mean he's saying either give in or give up. It means keep going. Just he wants to see a struggle with this thing or that you're trying or you're looking. Or uh, we all have problems we can't solve and God can solve it just like that. Sometimes he doesn't. He appears to be an unjust judge. He appears to be either not listening, doesn't care, uh, 
Um, uh, what else? <laughs> or evil, or actively seeking our harm. And, and people will leave the faith because they think if God does exist, he can't possibly be good. Look at the world, you know, this kind of argument, which is a, a valid argument if you don't know God. Uh, and this is the danger or the risk that God takes in this approach. And he says this to finish it off at the end. He makes this line. He had, there's this line he says at the end, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will I, after having thus allowed you to be tested, find that you still have faith? Will the earth still have faith when you as a group go together, go through this together? Like our church is going through something right now. So is our country. So is our world. Uh, there's tension everywhere. Will we still find faith in God when it looks like he's uh, not actively assisting us in our personal lives, in our corporate lives, whatever? Um, that's the risk he takes because we're free human beings. He wants to give us gifts a judgment like the judge beyond our wildest imaginings. We can't even imagine what heaven is like. Just one thing I always think about is without space and time, without, without being in, the, in these, these three dimensions that we're in now, all, and the angels have this already because they're not, they're not in our, our, our continuum here, is you can just think and you'll be wherever you want to be, anywhere in the universe. Just imagine the freedom of the sons and daughters of God in heaven. But God doesn't want to be loved because of what he's going to give us, but for himself. He, we're not going to be bribed into heaven. He has, Instead, he wants to be loved as a beggar, as someone perhaps who appears to be powerless, or uh, not to test us, but so that we'll grow, because this is the only place in our eternity where we will grow. And so it is critical that he allow these things to happen, because life is so brief. And so these Gospels, both readings and the, and the second reading, are extremely important for our own journey, especially when it appears as though God has pulled away from us, or we from God, that he is always listening. He's the exact opposite of that judge. But he may appear to be that way until we get to know him, until we come to an understanding that God answers every prayer, but in his own time, and if it's the opposite, it's for our best. If he waits, it's so that we'll grow, but in all things, he wishes us to persevere like the widow and like Moses, who needed the support of others in order to keep going.